Welcome to the Herd Mentality Podcast, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic and humanistic conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, get an interesting conversation for you to listen to. I'm your host, Adam Reeks, and it's time to meet our guests. Let's fire it off and welcome our guests. So, greetings, welcome to the Herd Mentality. Uh, on the drums, we've got Secular Bloke. On G'day. the lead guitar, we've got Gamma Atheist. How you doing? And with an enormous amount of latency, on the bass guitar, we've got Atheist Mel. Hello, you welcome. You put me on the bass guitar? Come on! <laughs> Isn't the bass guitarist the hottest? Hey, at least you've got a musical instrument. You know what they say uh, to drummers, don't you? If you don't want to be a musician, you become a drummer. I'm stuck in the friggin' drums. <laughs> well, look, guys, thanks for coming along. I think this, this is really the Twitter rockstar edition today because I've only recently joined Twitter. I got in touch with you guys not long ago. But not only is it the Twitter rockstar edition, it's also my birthday edition. Oh, happy birthday. Mm. Oh, thank you very much. Lucky I was sitting down. So, uh, yes, my lady friend got me... I was tickled pink this morning. She got me a whole bunch of different presents from thinkgeek.com. And I think my favourite one was the Star Trek underpants. So I can decide whether or not I want to be an engineer or, or hold a ranked position. But today, I'm wearing the science version. To get the ball rolling, we might do a little bit of a, a language test. Because this is the first time we've had an Australian other than myself on the podcast. So and that, that would be Secular Bloke. The clue is in the title of the bloke. But let me just fire this off to the Northern Hemisphere. What are your thoughts and do you indeed understand the term fair dinkum? I do actually know what that means. But only because I'm on Twitter and I've talked to enough Australians that they've told me what it means. Before that, I had no idea. And even still, it sounds like something that you've just made out and makes no sense. Because, oh, um, okay. Gamma Atheists, do you know what fair dinkum means? No, I do not. Would you like to elaborate, Secular Bloke? Well, it's extremely versatile. It can be a question, it can be a statement. Um, for example, you could say, gee, this is fair dinkum, this is the best beer I've ever drunk, which means you really believe that it's the best beer you've ever drunk. Or if um, someone might say, some Jehovah might knock at my door and say, this, this is the truth about Jesus. And I say, huh, fair dinkum? Meaning, really? <laughs> um, there's, there's many applications, I guess. So your challenge throughout the course of this podcast... We said, to, we said to the Northern Hemisphere, you guys have to use fair dinkum at least once throughout the conversation. In the correct context. Mm. Another, oh. slang, another slang term that you, <laughs> that you might need to know is uh, Reg Grundy's. <laughs> <laughs> do, you want, do you want to have a guess at what that might be? No idea. No, oh, okay. I do not. It's, it's, it's rhyming slang for underpants. Oh. There you go. <laughs> All right, so... I do a little bit of statistics here and there for my job and I was having a look because all of a sudden, you know, we've got three of these Twitter rock stars all together in one spot where we can sort of bag out on everybody else without them having right of reply just at the moment. But uh, Secular Bloke, as of this morning, you had 8,968 followers. Gamma, you've got 6,422. And Atheist Mel, you've got 9,490. So between the lot of you, you've got almost 25,000 people over whom you have influence. I think that's pretty cool. You've done an excellent job. How long have you been doing it? Uh, well, I've been on for a little over a year. I've been tweeting with regularity since probably early July of last year. And to be quite honest, I don't know why so many people want to hear what I have to say. It's always a little <laughs> bit shocking to see that number, to be quite honest. Does it surprise you guys? Mm, yeah, it surprises me. I've been uh, I've been on Twitter probably, uh, I think, July last year I joined. Um, I was largely a voyeur at the start, um, and I became more active around December. I remember in December... I had about 230 followers, um, and I was tweeting away, and Mr. Oz Atheist was one of the guys I followed, um, and I was, I think I was drunk one night in Rockhampton, shock horror to my followers that I was drunk, <laughs> and I sent him a tweet saying, what's going on, what do I have to do to get a follow? And he kindly then sort of quote tweeted that and said, I can't believe I'm not following you, dear followers don't make the same mistake, and I, I basically got about 500 followers overnight. And I've had a couple of subsequent re, um, follow Fridays or shout-outs from, from, from Donovan. Um, so that's 
definitely help the um, followers follow account. And then um, I, I think it was early or early April. I had about two thousand three hundred followers, and Ricky Gervais started following me. And um, I think I've gotten about four follow Fridays from him and a couple of retweets, and all of a sudden I find myself at nearly nine thousand now. So I can't say it's my good work; it's just luck that these people with millions of followers are retweeting me. So. I think you've done an outstanding job. We had somebody on, uh, I don't know if you guys, I think you all have had a listen to the first episode with Musical Atheist. Here yes. Yeah, he got a tweet from Ricky Gervais as well and he almost fell off his chair. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. <laughs> I think, well, Ricky follows all three of us now, I think, um, probably largely down to Donovan. <laughs> so thanks, Donovan. We owe you a beer. Yep. Well, I think we at least owe you a spot on this show. <laughs> Come along, join in. Yeah, so why did you guys decide to stand up and actually strap on a set and talk about atheism? Because it's not an easy topic to discuss. It's, it, it does very quickly disillusion people and get people offside. Why did you decide to? Um, I mean, for me, being in the, the part, part of America I'm in, the Bible Belt, I was just tired of being the only person with my, my mindset. So I just randomly searched atheist one day on twitter i couldn't believe the amount of people that were on there and it just one thing led to another and then as i'm starting to see other people and following and seeing their tweets and realizing that there are other intelligent people in this world i mean that really started to inspire me and then before i know it i'm at work and i'm debating people and standing up for every i mean not not only just atheism but like gay rights and equality and all these other things. So it's not just atheism that, you know, I can attribute to Twitter. Yeah, there's a mix of humanism, skepticism. And you, Mel? Um, well, for me, to be honest, I mean, it was really Twitter that got me to start sort of banging on about atheism all the time. Um, it's something that I've, I've been fairly passionate about, um, mainly for myself. It was because of uh, the time I spent in Kenya doing, doing work on HIV. I've met a lot of people you know, who have had to suffer because of religion. So in Kenya, for example, for you to be a homosexual and you can be put into, into prison. Oh, I am, we have a, we have a group of sex workers that we work with. Um, uh, my work specifically deals with the HIV positive women and trying to look at their progression dynamics and just try and figure out, um, why some women are progressing more quickly to AIDS and why some are progressing more slowly to AIDS. So it's a big, complicated thing down there. Um, but yeah, so as far as the atheism thing goes, I mean, I've, I've met a lot of people there and I've met in particular a lot of homosexual men who can't be who they are because they actually are under threat of, you know, being imprisoned in their own country. And, and that's something that has really upset me. And um, it just seems so unfair that that could ever happen in, in this day and age. So it's a combination of that and, you know, getting on Twitter and, and seeing how many other people are out there wanting to talk about these important issues that's kind of gotten me going. That's honourable work. Very impressed. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Did you meet any atheists just out of the blue when you were in Kenya? Like, were any of the Kenyan population able to discuss this with you? No, 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 and no. The population in Kenya, even, like, yeah, I have colleagues who I work with from Kenya who are even here in Canada, um, and I can honestly say I have never met a Kenyan atheist in my life. I'm sure they're out there, but it's a very, very religious country, and even people who, you know, are well-educated and who do the same work that I do and who've been in school for as long as I have been, which we don't need to talk about, but even those people, you know, they still devout Christians, devout Catholics, and it's just something that's really very widespread in Kenya, for sure. Cool. All right. So have you guys always been atheists? Or were, and this is a, a pretty common question I ask to everyone who comes on the show because I think it really gives a little bit of insight into people's current positions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been an atheist. Uh, I've never, I was never indoctrinated into religion or anything like that, so it was just a... Uh, <laughs> natural for me to, to not have a belief in god i've always we, been more interested in science nerdy stuff anyways were your parents religious no all right if, if you've never really been affected by the religion why stand up because i see what it does um i mean especially especially here when we're fighting for i mean fighting for gay rights and uh, you know the abortion laws and was simple fact that we're fighting to keep evolution in science class and things of that nature is just it's just ridiculous and the amount of exclusions that religion gets i mean just here it's ridiculous and i know it's not as bad as it is in some areas but i know it could be better it's and tragic uh, that you have to fight to keep 
education in an education system, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. I know it's, it's ridiculous. They'd rather spend, they'd rather spend money on prisons than our education. Yeah, well, I've covered that with a couple of Americans in the first episode as well. We had a good chat about that, and I speak about it every recording I do. But cognitive dissonance. Those guys are an absolute hoot. If you're not listening to those guys, you really are missing out. They, they go into an enormous amount of detail about how the prison system works in the U.S. Uh, I've heard them from the podcast, but I've, I've watched other documentaries and everything on the, the entire prison system. I mean, it's 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 a joke. I mean, it's a system set up to fail. Um, it fails for the taxpayers. It fails for the prisoners. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't do anything positive. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's the American government. I'm just, I'm so frustrated with the American government and uh, and and every part of it. That it's just I just you know there there are some days where I get to a point where I, I get frustrated to the point where I want to give up. I mean I know it's not going to do anything if I do. I can imagine. And and how is it for you, Mel, looking in because you're only just over the border, aren't you? Yeah, or well, I'm very close to the border, so it's it's really interesting to to watch American politics. Much more interesting than Canadian politics, unfortunately. Um, but it's, it's very interesting because our systems are so different and the American system gets so much publicity. I mean, obviously America, you, you just hear about everything that goes on and we just kind of sit back, even though we're, we're, you know, spatially very close to America. We're so different that it's really interesting to sit back in my comfortable little country and just watch what goes on. It's a little bit, a little bit crazy when you really think about how different the two countries are. Yeah. America is the uh, bad reality show for the world. Good enough to bottle. Good enough to bottle. Yes. It's a train wreck that you have to watch. Yes, yes, yes. It does dominate the world media, doesn't it? It's out there. Yeah. I think it was a, it's a lot different as far as atheists in Australia or the ones that I know. I think most of us, well, when I say most, yeah, probably most have a quite a similar background. Um, a lot of us here probably went through private Catholic school, which um, is... The only option, really, if you want private schooling, it's pretty much has to be some denomination, and the Catholic system is heavily subsidised, so it's more affordable. Um, that was my path. I went through Catholic school. I was never, never heavily indoctrinated by my mother, although she she still goes to church, but she's uh, very liberal. She's a humanist. You know, she supports gay marriage, um, equality. She just can't let go of this, you know, antiquated belief that was indoctrinated into her as a child, but. Um, I remember, yeah, sort of growing up, um, it's almost like the Catholic school in Australia. It's almost like they've given up, you know. They teach evolution as fact, which they should. They teach the Bible as a bunch of dreamtime stories that uh, are supposed to have underlying moral um, tales to them. And I feel like saying, look, just go. You're almost there. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, we sort of... Um, I think I was around the age of 12 before I really gave it any serious consideration, um, and it was very quick consideration. I thought, this just does not seem logical in any way whatsoever, and it just goes against everything that any rational thought I can apply to it. It just doesn't just doesn't work for me. And I remember, Mum used to make me go to church every week, and I remember the specific day where I said, right, that's it, I'm not going anymore. Um, we used to go there actually to try and pick up girls, because we, we sort of... <laughs> We'd all stand outside, and the parents would stand outside. They sort of had, at the side of the church, they had um, like an under undercover awning that was still part of the service, but you were actually outside the building, but you could hear everything. And so we'd hang out there and try and pick up, as you know, young 12-year-olds want to do. Um, uh, but this one day, Pat Cash had made the Wimbledon final. Uh, I think it was back in 86 or 87, and I missed it because I was at the bloody church. And I got home, I said to Mum, that's it, I'm done. I'm never going again. <laughs> You know, apart from weddings and funerals. You I deprived me of Pat Cash. How dare you? Guards, Caesar! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's funny that you hey. go to church to pick up. Surely the only place worse to pick up would be a family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you're from Tasmania or Newfoundland. <laughs> I don't know, I was just going to say to go along with his story, I think that's the only time I went to church was when I was actually uh, uh, dating the, the uh, religious girl, and she she said the only way I could get uh, in her pants is if I went to church with her. Is if you let Jesus in as well. I mean, is that a, th- <laughs> is that a threesome you want to take part uh, in? Yeah, it was my first threesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, just remind me to change the tag for this to explicit. So, Mel, tell us, <laughs> tell us when you picked up at church. Oh, dear. So I hear this a lot from other atheists that either they had never been indoctrinated or that they were 
indoctrinated, but then around the age of 12 or 13, they realize this is the whole, this is all garbage. How can anyone believe this? And it really makes me embarrassed for myself because I was indoctrinated for a lot longer than that. And it's, it is really embarrassing to look back at it now. My parents were not really overly religious. We went to church when I was a kid. Um, and what really did it for me was when I was nine, I started going to a Bible camp and that pretty much sunk me for all of my teenage years. So I was about as crazy religious as anyone ever has been, I would think, from the age of about nine until probably probably my late teens, until maybe I was around 20. The whole shebang, the whole young earth creationism, you know, believed the Bible as, as fact, and it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Is Bible camp anything at all like uh, band camp? <laughs> no. <laughs> Amer- it's people who like, like American Bible for the reference... <laughs> no, it's uh, it's not nearly as much fun, and uh, there's a lot more crazy. There's a, a lot of crazy going on in Bible camp for sure. <laughs> I shudder to think. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So you guys have obviously had a bit of a rapport going on on Twitter for a while. You know, chime in from time to time and comment on each other. I do enjoy the scintillating repartee. It's been good fun. I haven't. Sure, yeah. Have you noticed a little bit of a growth in the spoof accounts? Like, uh, I think well, there's one that's just called the Tweet of God. Yeah, that oh, one's he's, quite successful. He's brilliant. He is very clever. Assuming it's a he. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. How dare you? Get out. Misogynist. <laughs> So we've got him, and then there's been a whole other uh, explosion of these different accounts, the Yahweh and tweets, Tweet of Jesus and mm-hmm. all sorts of different characters. How do you think they're affecting atheism? I think it's a good thing, you know. I, I, I think it sort of takes the, um, the, the more ridiculous sides of religion, I guess you'd call them, um, be it the misogynistic views or the homophobic views, um, and, you know, basically ridicules them in a, in, in a public way. I mean, look at the tweet of God. I think he's got 750,000 followers. Uh, Ricky, Ricky Gervais retweets every second tweet he does. So he's got a big global audience. Um, and I think he's, he comes up with some really clever stuff that's quite amusing. Um, that's think, my personal opinion. It seems there's a whole bunch of different gods that have a massive global audience. Some no, he's the, right, the only one. Some for the right reason. He's the one true god, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do get a good giggle out of those tweets. I think they're very funny. Yeah, yeah I think they've been quite positive for, for well, a little bit of discussion. Other... They're probably a little bit less specific, whereas, whereas at the level I'm just sort of dabbling in Twitter and have, I actually use my real name so I don't have a clever personality to associate with it. <laughs> I think that really lends towards some uh, to, to humour and being in character. I think it's a very clever idea. It's very funny. But that mm. the guy or, or woman who runs that God account also run, is a comedian and does comics and has written a book and so forth. So it, they've very cleverly turned it into a way to get some money out of it, at least. Yeah. But this yeah. is money. This is the, this would be the only time that God's paid tax, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So having been on Twitter obviously quite a bit longer than I have, what are your thoughts on debating theists? How do you go about it? Do you, because now that you've got quite a few uh, followers, as I said earlier on in the piece, almost 25,000 followers between you. I never see you really getting into the nitty gritty and defining the, re- uh, debating the really fine points with the theists. It's more a case of here's something that they've said that is absolutely ridiculous, retweet, ridicule, and move along. <laughs> Not always. Um, I mean, ridicule is a tool that can be used when someone is totally ridiculous. Um, but I, I, I do sometimes enter more meaningful dialogue. Um, and a lot of people sort of try and try and tell me, oh, you're not going to change the world, you're not going to change, uh, you're not going to convert a religious person to an atheist. And I wouldn't want to. It's not my goal. I'm not interested in doing that. What I do do is I debate them. And I always make it public so everyone can see it. Um, for, for many reasons, um, mainly I guess to highlight what religious inco- in, or how religious indoctrination can affect rational thought and rational discourse. Uh, the other thing is that you've got to remember there's a lot of people out there watching who may not be where myself, Dave and Melissa are and you Adam in that they might be in societies that are really heavily fundamentally religious. They're having these doubts about their faith um, and they're worried about coming out. And, you know, it's nice for them to get on, I guess, and know that there is a big community out there. 
Yeah, and I read, I read a, just, just touching on that with um, David, I read a blog post that you put up this morning on behalf of somebody else who is in one of those countries where they're unable to overtly express their beliefs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd actually uh, encountered with him on Facebook, and he had messaged me, and he had said, hey, I really want to email you my story. But I, he said, I, I, it's very important that I remain anonymous. He goes, I just want my story to be out there for others to know, you know, if they're in a similar situation, that there are others out there. But he said, it's you need to keep it anonymous because, he goes, I was scared for my life. Yeah, wow. So, you know, I... And I told him, I said, I, you know, I highly appreciate, you know, I said, is this really what you want to do? He said, yes, you know, it needs to be done, but, you know, yada, yada. I said, all right, if, if that's what you want, I said, we'll do it. And he emailed me the story, and, and uh, so it was. It was a pretty compelling story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to read through that this morning. It's, it's very sobering. I think it's a good service. So give us a plug. Where would we find your story? If you're one of the, if you're one of the five people listening to this podcast, uh, where would they go <laughs> to read that story? Uh, you can go to uh, gammaatheist.com. Uh, and uh, every Tuesday, we just uh, post the story of uh, from people from Twitter that email me their stories of how they became an atheist or, you know, just kind of their path. Um, we get, you know, I get a whole mixture of uh, stories, and I, I really enjoy it. And uh, a lot of the people uh, that read it seem to enjoy it because it gives them uh, something to relate to. I mean, because... Like just in this conversation, you can hear how all three, just the three of us, have come. You know, we're the same conclusion, but we we take the different paths to get there. And I think that's important for others to know out there that you know there are people in different situations that we, you know, and such. And um, I mean, that was and that last story was a perfect example. I mean, that was actually my per- first uh, uh, Muslims story so it was uh great to add to the blog mm, yeah it was uh, look i certainly recommend people get onto it and have a look uh and do secular bloke and atheist mel do you guys run a blog at all or where do you vent vent your steam is it just on twitter um i do have a blog that i recently started actually during when i was off twitter for a bit i actually got some posts up and it's it's kind of interesting because i started on twitter and Twitter is really great in, in the unique way that you have to really be very concise when you're trying to say something with the character limit, which can be really great in some cases. In other cases, you know, it's it's really necessary to have more than 140 characters oh, yeah, to get your like point the, across, which is kind old, of why I'm like, <laughs> That old chestnut when they send you a tweet and say, okay, well, uh, big bang, uh, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or explain evolution. I'm like, well, I'd love to, but I, I need more than 140 characters to do that, unfortunately. So, yeah. So that was why I started right. the blog in the first place, is yeah. because there's there's some topics that I wanted to expand on without having to send 50 tweets to get the point across. So, yeah. And the other thing is, you could you could sit down with these theists who say, oh, okay, explain and prove evolution to me, or explain how the Big Bang happened, uh, and, and and you could explain it as clearly and thoroughly as possible, and spend half yeah. an hour doing so. And at the very end, they'd be like, oh yeah, well. Will, will God cause the? Or, or I'll pray for you. <laughs> Either that or God guides evolution. You know, it's it's it always goes. But the, yeah, the other drawback sometimes with the 140 character limit too is you'll get some of those people that will write one message, but it takes eight tweets to do it. <laughs> so you you have to yeah. scroll through your your mentions to see one conversation, and then in that case, if it's a theist, I usually just block them. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. we're, not, we're not here to be laughed yeah, at. <laughs> yeah, I was having a chat with uh, a couple of theists this morning. We kicked off with uh, it was it was a pretty abrasive encounter, really. They, I'd, I'd sent them a couple of tweets. I didn't really give it a lot of credibility because I just knew that the path we were going to go down was going to end in tears. So I thought, oh, look, I, life's too short. Then uh, one of them picked me up on something, one of the jokes I'd made. It was probably about Ray Comfort, I can't remember. And uh, I thought, you know what, actually, let's have a shot at this. And I was very polite to them and began asking questions and asking them to be concise as well. But getting a question out of them, it would have a lot of mumbo-jumbo or pseudoscientific-sounding words put into a form that was very ambiguous. It could have been interpreted any number of ways. And I thought, you know what? Maybe these guys need to come on this show. (laughs) And so I threw the offer open to them. And I think what I'll end up with is having a couple of theists and a couple of anti-theists in a future episode. So adult discussion only. There's going to be no finger-pointing or name-calling. But I think that would be an interesting discussion. That would. I think that would be 
Very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm not as crass or perhaps as concise as Christopher Hitchens, but if somebody's <laughs> going to give me the time to make my point, it's probably fair enough to hear their point and then then really get to the nitty gritty because that's the tricky bit. Really getting to the bit where you can both agree on something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've I've had more than one debate with theists on on Twitter over a range of different topics. But I find as soon as you start asking those deep digging questions, quite often you'll, you'll get a response of um, either burn in hell or they'll come back and, and come at you with a logical fallacy, either a straw man or a slippery slope, whatever. They'll just come back with something that's just dishonest and a waste of time, really. I'm sure, I'm sure all you guys have faced the regular straw man that they throw at atheists, that it's a belief that whatever, it takes just as much faith to be an atheist as it does to be a theist. Well, the term is used interchangeably, isn't it? Atheism is applied to somebody in the same way that Catholicism is applied to another, and that's where they get confused. Yeah, I guess. And and also they can't, what they can't grasp is that, um, I'm only talking on my my behalf here, um, but I'm sure... There's a great majority of um, Twitter atheists and real-world atheists who probably are of the same position that I am, and I would consider myself an agnostic atheist um, because they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, agnosticism deals with knowledge. Um, and do I know God does not exist? No, of course not. Um, do I believe he does exist? No, I don't believe he does. And and, and I think there's many of us who probably would, just, um, you know, describe ourselves as agnostic atheists. Well, there's plenty of people who are prepared to believe if God were to just rock up as you took your last passing breath, shone the torch in your face and said, right, you're on your way to me now. Uh, sure. If you uh, if you really do believe I exist, let's deprive you of oxygen and see what your brain does. And exactly. You I mean, I'm, heaven. I'm open to... Um, my position's not set in concrete. If I, if I see some valuable evidence or empirical evidence that he does exist, of course I'll adjust my position. Hmm. It would be irrational not to. Yeah, and as there are so many atheists and we largely agree on most things, or to apply, you know, I give myself a free plug here, there's a bit of a herd mentality there where you can also rely on somebody else who is also of a similar opinion to you but may be better educated on one particular point and you can Mm. sort of defer to their leadership to a degree, but still be prepared to change your own opinion should the evidence suggest that you do. Oh, definitely. What about you, Mel? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I agree with everything Secular Bloke just said. Um, I, I've only, in my time on Twitter, come across two or three atheists who actually say that they would be, consider themselves to be agnostic atheists that actually believe and know that there is no God, which I think is honestly a pretty illogical position to, to take. Um, most people I've come across are, are the same way, and I, and I am as well, I would consider myself an agnostic atheist. And I think that's where a lot of my conversations with theists sort of get derailed, um, because they like to tell me a lot of the times what I believe, of course. So uh, yes, they'll tell I me that, that, oh, you're an atheist. Morning. You know, when I'm talking to theists on Twitter, one of their favorite things to do is tell me what I believe, because they, they, they seem to have this sort of predefined notion of what it means to be an atheist, not understanding that you can be an agnostic atheist and you know, not necessarily believe in God, but not be making the point that there, you believe that there is no God, which is something that I think a lot of them really get tripped up on, that there is a distinction there, that, you know, I'm not making a claim that there is no God, I am simply taking your claim that there is a God and rejecting it based on the fact that there is no evidence for that claim. That's something that I think trips them up a lot, um, but I think it's something that the majority of atheists actually really, that's the position a lot of us tend to take, just because it really is the only logical position that I think that there is. And I think another thing that we probably, a lot of us have in common is, We'd be willing to say that, you know, the God of the Bible, Yahweh, is, is more than likely not something that we need to consider as a logical possibility in the world. We know enough about that particular God that we can almost essentially rule him out as a possibility as a, an interventionist God. But we leave open the possibility that, yeah, sure, there could be, you know, some supreme being who doesn't really care about us, but maybe started the universe in some way that we, we can't define or we can't understand at this point. That's something that we, we leave open a slight possibility for that just because, you know, as you know, we can't definitively prove that that type of being doesn't Damn exist. Right. Uh, yeah, just uh, to touch on what both of them are saying, uh, I agree um, about being an agnostic atheist. Um, like, well, I, I like to use references, uh, Richard Dawkins scale. Uh, being a six, I mean, I'm, I mean, I would love to be a seven, but unfortunately, we don't have all the evidence for us to be considered a seven, and that's the the clear difference between atheist and theist is we're happy with being a six, 
I mean, not happy, but we're, you know, we accept it and we don't, we don't claim to know for sure. Where on the other side of the spectrum, we have the theists that are just, they know God exists. The proof is everywhere. It's in, it's in the air. You can see it in the trees. I think they get a little bit frustrated when, uh, because our position isn't so solid as theirs, they go, okay, yes, hang on, God does exist, I categorically know it, their, their position is so rock solid, and it's almost disappointing for them, for the, to find out that our position isn't. Exactly. Or that, or that, or that we could possibly not believe what they've been indoctrinated, um, since, since they were old enough to listen, basically, or talk. Um, and they're told it's an absolute truth. Um, so, so they just cannot begin to fathom that we could reject that absolute tr- so-called truth. Um, the other thing I find when they, the other one that always makes me giggle is when you're sort of having, you're toing and froing in a debate and ironically they almost throw out, oh, well, atheism's a faith as though that's some sort of insult. And I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to equate our position to their position as a form of insult. Does that not bring about some sort of introspection? Obviously not. (laughs) There are some pretty weak arguments out there, and um, I think it gets to a point where it becomes too hard. So there's a lot of information available on the internet, and with even with Twitter, you can just grab a, a very short URL and go, okay, what are the chances of... And I did this this morning with uh, the guys I was debating with. We are talking about what are the chances of life on other planets, for example. And there's a great podcast called Skeptoid. It's done by a bloke called... A bloke. <laughs> a gentleman by the name of Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com. And he analyzes different topics every week and the podcasts only go for eight or ten minutes but he writes this essay and reads it and he does it he's very animated he's a very entertaining guy to listen to uh that sort of material and being able to sort of copy and dump it into a tweet and go here is the point i'm trying to make it can be done very succinctly it'll only take you two or three minutes just to have a listen to this or read this web page and it'll do a it can do what I can't do in 140 characters, but 99 times out of 100, they seem to get dismissed. It's just pure cognitive dissonance. It's all it is. Mm. So we'll do a quick whip around. Uh, has anybody ever witnessed a miracle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so we've just, uh, had, no. we've just had some rampant <laughs> laughter there. So is that a yes or a no? <laughs> That's I mean, no I, don't, I don't have evidence that... Yeah, I don't have evidence that I haven't seen one, so I'll I'll go with no. Oh, shut up! No, no is the answer. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a very uh, very confident no from me. What would it take if you were to see something completely out of the ordinary for you to dismiss it as random statistical chance? It would have to be something that defied the laws of physics, I guess, and something that had no uh, an amput- explanation. Not quite. I would go with uh, an amputee growing their their arm back. Yeah, that's often, that's a really good one. Should we yeah. pray? And they use that for prayer studies as well, don't they? There's a guy on Twitter. Pray the heart back? Yeah. You know, while you're praying someone's gay away, perhaps we could be converting that into limbs for other people. Well, look, it's amazing what prayer can achieve. Um, it can pray the gay away. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can it do? Well, Australia won uh, the soccer the other night and made the World Cup. I imagine people probably prayed for that. So that's a pretty good result. I prayed to be left out of that completely. I don't understand why a whole bunch of people would want to stand on a paddock and kick things at one another. <laughs> Baffles me. Prayer, prayer tends to fall short when it comes to growing limbs back or eradicating HIV and AIDS or curing famine. For some funny reason, it just doesn't work. Maybe there's limits to what God can and can't. Essentially, That's... prayer fails at doing anything that couldn't be explained by some other natural means. Yeah, exactly. It's bollocks. A useless, a useless inner monologue, I think, best uh, describes it. Confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. There we go. Yeah. Thanks for playing along. So I, surprise? I suppose this leads on to the big topic of the day, which I think we're all pretty keen to discuss. Idiots on Twitter who talk about not vaccinating your children. Before we get into this, mm. should we make sure Mel's had a coffee and she's nice and calm? Yeah, have, maybe a stiff drink. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling she's going to drink. I should have at least a glass of wine in me, I think, for this talk. <laughs> I've just dropped some crystal meth, so I'm good to go. Well, look, I've, I've <laughs> faced, I'm facing more and more of them, um, particularly in the last couple of days, people coming out anti-vaccination. 
and they're perpetuating the same old myths. And I think there's a guy called Andrew Wakefield. Um, I'm sure most people would know him or have heard of him. He's the, uh, uh, the, the global village idiot who brought out the paper um, claiming that there was a causal link between the MMR vaccine and autism. Back in 98, I think it was. He had a sample study of about 600, which is statistically insignificant. Um, it was published, God knows how. Uh, it's obviously got discredited fairly quickly. Mm. Um, he's no longer a doctor. He lost his medical license. Um, the reason given for that was uh, dishonest, violated basic research of ethical rules, and he falsified data. Um, and he basically had a callous disregard for the safety of children, which was what was what, what were the reasons given for him being struck off. Um, since then, of course, the, the largest study done was done by Denmark, by the Danish government. They did a study of every child born between January 1991 and December 1998, which covered about 537,000 children, I think, 82% of which were vaccinated for MMR, and there was absolutely no causal link found between MMR and autism. Um, the problem, ongoing problem now, of course, is that everyone bought Wakefield's bullshit back in 98. And what we're seeing now, um, recently in Wales, there's been a big measles outbreak. Um, they've had to open emergency vaccination clinics. Um, you know, people queuing up at much like, much like the queue outside the bloody Seinfeld suit Nazi. And they're trying to rush vaccinate all these kids now. There's been breakouts in Western Sydney. There's been a breakout up in Warrumbah in Queensland, a mining town. And it's all due to one guy who falsified his research papers. Um, and unfortunately, there's still people on the internet that perpetuate this myth. But, and, but, but to what end? Why would what? he have created such a, a disaster when to become a doctor, you've got to be a relatively smart guy? And I exclude Deepak Chopra from this generalisation. Thanks for that. He, what, what would he have gained in doing that study by falsifying data? What was his outcome? Well, his outcome is that he's been struck off, thankfully. Um, well, but that's a good outcome, but what was the outcome exactly. he was hoping to achieve? Well, I'm sure his attended outcome was probably global adjuration if he, if he got away with it. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden he's famous overnight for finding this link. So let's bring Mel in. It's time for you to have your rant, Mel. Let's hear it. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, I don't even know where, I don't, honestly don't know where to start. I mean, this anti-vaccination thing is one thing that just drives me up the wall. Because you have these parents out there who want to be involved in the health of their children, which is great. It's great to educate yourself. But I mean, you can go on the internet and you can find support for any crazy idea that you have in your head. And so they'll go into the bowels of the internet to find, you know, some mommy blog that says vaccination is dangerous for your children and use that to be factual when there's, you know, decades and decades of legitimate good science that shows how well vaccination works that they completely ignore. And it just it makes me crazy. It is baffling that they would go straight to something that is loaded with spelling errors and incorrect information to find what they want to find. Well, the main people... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that's the problem. Those studies, like the study that came out in, in 98 in The Lancet, that was what sort of set this all off. And, I mean, I can understand at the time... That study was published in a very reputable journal. The Lancet is a high-impact journal. So I can understand how at the time, you know, that could have upset some people and started these rumors flying. But since then, it's been completely discredited. It's been retracted from The Lancet. He's lost his medical license. It's basically been shown that there is absolutely no link whatsoever. But for some reason, people don't know why they want to believe that there is a link when there's absolutely no evidence to support it. And the thing that just makes me crazy is now we're having these resurgences of these diseases that should be easily preventable by vaccines, but it's because these people are just, for some reason, they, they can't see the real evidence, and they're willing to let this myth just perpetuate, and it's actually causing children to die, which is really, really upsetting. Yeah, yeah and it doesn't doesn't help. We've got people out there like, um, what's that, what's that? Uh, Rob Schneider, for example, he's vehemently anti-vac. Yeah. He comes out there, whenever you challenge him um, with some empirical evidence uh, or data supporting the efficacy and safety of vaccines... Um, he'll reply back to you and link you to a chiropractor's blog. Uh, it's the same here in, 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 <laughs> yeah. in Australia, the leader of the AVN, um, American lady, what's her name? Um, do you guys remember her name? Not offhand. I know who you're talking about though, yeah. Uh, Meryl, is it Meryl someone? Um, Meryl Dory, I think her name is. Um, American lady, now living in Australia. Uh, thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> Although we did send you Ken Ham, so. 
you know, I can't complain. You can keep that. Um, but now they've, um, they, they're actually named the Australian Vaccination Network. Uh, the New South Wales court ruled recently that they, they have to change that name because they're actually anti-vaccine, they're an anti-vaccine website, although they've named themselves Australian Vaccination Network. Uh, and I believe she's now been blacklisted as a media source because she keeps talking this nonsense in the media and it's dangerous because people believe it. Um, and most of the studies that she links on her side are from homeopaths. I mean, for God's sake. I wish homeopathy, if, I wish homeopathy was true. No, which, you know, which you know doctors how long I think are more credible source? <laughs> Go on. I was saying I wish homeopathy was true. Do you know how long a bottle of scotch would last me if it was? <laughs> Weeks! <laughs> I'd put two drops in if I want a weak one, half a drop if I want to go really strong. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And that's the problem. We've got all these pseudoscientific quacks out there trying to comment on science. And I'm sorry, homeopathy and chiropractic... Oh, what's that word? Practitioners? (laughs) You know what I mean. They're just not... Dickheads, I think, is the word you're looking for. I think dickheads, yeah. Yeah. My my mother is... um, she was very big into homeopathy as a child. So uh, whenever I was uh, at risk of internal bleeding or something, I'd always get the little sugar tablet. And that, se- that seemed to do the trick. <laughs> <laughs> really strong placebo effect, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but Rob Schneider was the big one I wanted to talk about. I mean, he he's obviously pushing something that he still believes is he still believes is correct in the same way that perhaps a re- religious person might push their belief there's a lot of questions that are unanswered about it or, or perhaps don't make sense to them but they don't have that natural uh, those, no. that, those inquisitive skills to get to the bottom of it and find out perhaps what the broader consensus might be exactly and um well in rod schneider's case i've seen him debate with many people there's a guy i follow um Dr. Dave Hawkes, who's, I think he's a microbiologist. Sorry if I'm wrong, but uh, both him and uh, Franco Scoop, Ra, uh, she's an English nurse who vaccinates you know, thousands of children, presumably. And I've seen both of them take him to task asking questions, and he commits the same logical fallacies as what I see religious people do on a, on a daily basis. He just, he just comes back with arguments from authority. Uh, the laughable thing about that is that his authority tends to, tends to be chiropractors and homeopaths um, and uses that as his basis of argument rather than evidence. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you're a chiropractor, a paediatrician or a janitor, there's evidence to support vaccine. It's as simple as that. It is pretty conclusive stuff, isn't it? What's going on with you, Gamma Atheist, over in the States? I hear a lot of the uh, same kind of arguments uh, people against vaccines. and I mean, it kind of goes along the lines with... Uh, what we have uh, with um, the parents that won't take their, I can't think of the exact what they call their church, but the ones that won't take their children to uh, modern use modern medicine, they'll just pray, and their children have been dying. Faith mm. healers. And, I mean, yeah. Yeah. The, and, uh, actually, um, actually, Ricky I mean, Gervais I, tweeted something about that this morning, didn't he? he, said, he that that uh, American couple, was it, were they an American couple who prayed for their child, but they'd not only made the mistake once and lost one child, they'd yeah, lost two. their second. Yep. Yeah, and the scary part is they have five other children. Yeah, they're gonna be, and, they've got and a lot more prayers to get through then if they want to extinguish their genetic traits for future generations. <laughs> yeah, well, perfect example of people who do not need to continue to breed. <sighs> it's pretty tragic. So, who has kids here? Yeah, uh, I do. No, I do not. Oh, yeah. So, two out of three got kids. And are your children vaccinated? Uh, yeah, mine are. Well, yep. I've only got one. I've got a daughter, and yep, she's up to date. Yep, yep. Oh, they're all vaccinated up to date. Oh, well, I don't have kids because... Um, that you know of. That, that I'm aware of. Uh, manufacturing smaller <laughs> people isn't quite on my agenda quite yet. But I do have a cat, and she's been vaccinated. She's up to date. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about Grab about the cats. I'm the, I'm the legendary cat lady on Twitter, and uh, they're they're up to date too. <laughs> Brilliant. So, who are you following on Twitter? Who's influencing you, or, or what are you watching on YouTube? Where are you getting your inspiration from? I um I pretty much stick to Twitter. I don't really uh, get into many blogs or anything like that. I, I've started to like I've read Gamma's blog a couple of times and a few of the others. Um, followers on Twitter, uh, well, Gamma Atheist and Mel. I've Followed for a long time. Um, they're two two of my faves. Um, obviously, Ricky Gervais is one. Mr. Oz Atheist. Um, I have different faves for different reasons. Um, there's one one guy that 
he's just one of my all-time favourites. He's, he's an absolute legend. Um, God Free World. I don't know if any of you guys follow him. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a Absolutely. yeah he's a professor in evolutionary biology, and I think his specialty is human paleontology. And I, I wake up every morning and read his Twitter stream, and I feel like I'm you know doing my uh, evolutionary biology degree. The guy's a genius, um, and he's very generous with his time. He'll answer any questions you have to have, um, and for comedy value, obviously, Ricky. But um, I'm sure you will follow Godless Spellchecker. Yes, he cracks me up. Oh, yeah. I love him. <laughs> And what about people like, because uh, I've been really hoeing into uh, Deepak Chopra and Ray Comfort of late. Oh, for comedy, I follow both. <laughs> yeah, for comedy value. Uh, yeah, Deepak, he's, he's a confused guy. And he's another one who I think is... I don't being, know if he's confused, Adam. I, I think he's being deliberately ambiguous. I think you don't get Deepak because you lack the required level of cosmic consciousness. That's it. I'm not connected to. <laughs> I'm not connected to whatever power source it is. He seems to believe in. I just find it baffling. I'd written Deepak a tweet, and he replied to me. I saw that my lady friend had just started uh, taking an interest in what I was doing with the podcast and writing on Twitter, and she said, "Oh, you can't. Dude, that's a really horrible thing to say to the. I know of I know of that guy." And I said, "Well, hang on, just one moment." And I pulled up the video of him getting taken apart on stage by Sam Harris. And he waffles on for the first two or three minutes of this ten-minute clip with plenty of cosmic consciousness material. A lot of... He misuses the word quantum more often than I'd care to imagine. And as we watched this, her jaw just began dropping and she said, yeah, okay, fair play, you can have a go at him. <laughs> he's, not into, he's not into dialogue either. He blocked me after a single tweet... Um, I can't, he, he, he tweeted some oh. nonsensical gibberish as he does and uh, I quote tweeted him and said, well mate, this looks like a word salad with a bullshit dressing and instant block. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was talking with Deepak for a while. I, tweet, I think I managed to tweet him like three or four times before he blocked me. But the funniest thing is what I, what I did is I went down through his timeline and I picked out some of his more ridiculous terms like cosmic consciousness and all of his psychobabble and I just sort of mixed them all up and tweeted them back at him and i think for a minute he thought i was serious <laughs> and trying to make a point why he was tweeting me back so he tweeted me three or four times and then eventually i think he got that i was just making things up and then he blocked me so <laughs> so gamma have you been blocked by Deepak? uh no i've actually never even engaged with him i've i to be 100 percent honest i've never even looked at his twitter account there's well, life's uh, too short yeah <laughs> i try <laughs> If you take nothing away from this podcast, Gamma, at least you now have a goal that you can set yourself to achieve by the weekend. Yes, because you're letting the team down. The other guys have been blocked by T-Pack. I don't think I have quite yet, all right, but, uh, all right. well, but the day is still young. Well, for you guys, uh, it's it's eleven o'clock here. I mean, I, I mean, I'm in my pajamas. But now that the challenge has been set, I guess I kind of have to. And oh, mate, it's now not you much, have uh, a record. It's, it's not a big challenge, mate. Believe me. <laughs> Is there any final business? Because I kind of covered off what I wanted to get for the podcast today. I think it's been great. Uh, what would you like to finish on? Oh, I mean, big, big news here. I mean, the Atheist Monument. I mean, that's... Oh, yes. I was having... I did speak to you briefly uh, yeah. probably a week or two ago, didn't I, Gamma, where uh, I said, let's get you on the podcast, and you were keen back then, and... I thought, well, I might save you for the Rockstar edition, so we've got you here. <laughs> but I did ask you briefly about that monument, and I have seen a picture of it. It is a fine, fine, very small, poor man's rendition of Stonehenge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I mean, I just, I've only seen the pictures that are on the internet, like trying to keep it pretty hush hush, but, uh, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, and I mean, we're, we're trying to stay hopeful, but, I, I can just see it getting vandalized in the near future. Unfortunately, that's probably a, a likelihood, I would think. I was, uh, we had Tanner from the No God cast here on, on my podcast in the first episode. And I think in one of his podcasts, one of his early ones, he was discussing, was he discussing this with you? Where, and he, his opinion differed greatly to you. And he said, look, if, why should atheists get any sort of monument? It just gives additional credence to, uh, the religions because as soon as you know, you put an atheist monument next to a Christian one, then the Muslims and the Baptists and the Inuits and Bosnians, they're all going to want their own monument. 
and he seemed to be quite yeah. against it. And I thought that was an odd position to take for an atheist. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are there are a handful of atheists that are completely against it. Um, I mean, I for one, uh, I mean, I'll be, I've been honest about it too. I mean, it's not the outcome I would have liked. I would have just liked the Ten Commandments to be down. I mean, it's simple as that, but. Since they didn't want to agree to that, the settlement was made, okay, we're either going to sue you or you're going to let us put up a monument. And it was like, okay, you put the monument up. So that's where it was at. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, exactly what we were striving for, but it's it's a win. I, I mean, it is and, a good uh, win. I'd, I'd be very proud of achieving something like that. So how would oh, how would we find out more about this? Um, Atheist.org. I mean, uh, the American atheists are the ones that are primarily behind it. And actually, because of this whole thing, they came to me and wanted me to make a local group, like a meetup group. And so now I am a organizer for a local group of North Florida, and we I have become affiliated with American Atheists to kind of, so it, it, that's been a that's been an experience too. But um, for more on the monument, I mean, pretty much all you have to do is go on to Google and just type in Atheist Monument, and there's countless articles and videos and uh, everything else on it. And especially my favorite is uh, the videos of uh, from Fox News. Oh, brilliant! And you know they call it. <laughs> They, they call it the fight on faith, and you know, they're they're they are stuck on making everything about those war and pesky, battle. And those pesky atheists trying to kill Christmas, mate. We get, hey, we that, get was, that was pretty. That was pretty. Good. We get Fox over here, uh, Gamma, and it is embarrassing. I, I have to tune in every now and then just for my weekly dose of absolute batshit lunacy. Um, but it is a good laugh. Um, Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity, I watch those guys for five minutes each and I walk away feeling like Lawrence Krauss. I mean, the idiocy that those two emanate is unbelievable. Uh, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, me and my girlfriend, we will sit down to uh, have dinner or whatever, and you know, we're you know, we are an American family, so sometimes we'll sit down and watch TV while we're eating, and instead of like watching comedy, we will turn on Fox News <laughs> and just laugh, just <laughs> laugh, and then when we want the news, we go to Comedy Central and we'll watch The Daily Show and The Colbert Report. Brilliant. <laughs> it seems to be a little bit more objective, doesn't it? Well, I mean, they, they tell the brutal honesty, and Fox News is Fox News. There was a brilliant yeah. uh, intro to The Simpsons, I think, that got cut. This made the news headlines, oh, oh, I couldn't tell you how long ago. There was there's a, a helicopter or something flew past in the intro of The Simpsons, and it said on the side of it, Fox News, and then underneath it, not racist, but number one with racists. <laughs> <laughs> And they had to take that it is, down. Do, but I, I think even um, The Simpsons is published through Fox, isn't it? I think it is. Isn't it distributed by Fox? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Fox has Family Guy and American Dad, like all the shows from Seth MacFarlane, so it's, it's kind of a head-scratcher. And in Canada, Mel, where do you go for journalistic humour? Same place. I, we, well, myself specifically, I watch The Colbert Report and you know Jon Stewart. And those those are the big ones here, too, that we get a lot of entertainment out of. We don't have a lot of different programming in Canada. We tend to sort of look to the U.S. and kind of piggyback on whatever they have going on. And you when you really can't see those two, those are, friends. those are just me. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we don't do that. We don't, because uh, in Australia... We do, we've only got a handful of TV channels on free-to-air. Very few of us here bother with the cable subscription or the satellite subscription over here. So we have uh, five TV stations that are broadcast free-to-air. And you get your brilliant American sitcoms from time to time. Uh, there's plenty of Big Bang Theory and the, the really pop culture stuff we get. Well, there's more now. There's about 16 free-to-air now. There are, over the digital frequencies, yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, the, and there's five major stations that distribute those. It's, since we've Sorry, gone to, yeah. to digital, it's been really quite good. We actually get to see what's happening in the world without static. But we don't get to see those things that I, I'd really quite like to see more of the Jon Stewart show or, um, Bill Maher. I think I've seen him. Uh, on yeah, YouTube, Mar, I, I quite enjoy him. He's very entertaining. We do get them on here, but yeah, you have to have the um, cable TV to get that, which I've got. But uh, it's a rip-off compared to what you guys pay up in North America. Yeah, they, you guys pay thirty cents a year or something to get cable over here. We pay it's an exorbitant amount. Like to get all the, to get the whole package, you're, you're talking sort of 
150, 200 bucks a month or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's 135 a month now for the platinum package. Uh, I don't have that, but mine's still, I think I pay about 95 bucks a month. I don't have the movie channels, but all the sports and documentary channels and all the American channels, all this, I think, um, John Stewart show and Bill Maher played through CNN or some channel like that. I can't remember, but we definitely do get them. But you've got to pay through the nose. Yeah. That's why God invented YouTube, guys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hey, th- thanks, to, thanks to YouTube, I was able to uh, watch Derek. So. Oh, yes. Well, that's a brilliant show, that one. Tell me about it. I haven't had a chance yeah. to have a look at it's- that. I've, I've got extras on DVD, and I... Whenever I want to feel sorry for somebody, I put that on. <laughs> so Derek's basically, well, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, it's sort of it's set in an old person's home, and um, Derek's the lead character played by Ricky Gervais, who's a, uh, I guess he's sort of a, a, a guy that works around the old person's home. He's got some sort of disability that it's not really clear what it is, um, and it's just about the relationship he has with uh, the other workers and also the. the, the the patient's living there. Uh, his best mate's Dougie, who's the janitor there, played by Carl Pilkington. Um, and they've also got another mate that basically just hangs around, does no work, drinks cans of tenant super, which is what all the homeless people drink in London. It's about a pound a can and 8% alcohol. That's the stuff you got to drink with clenched teeth to filter out the crap, isn't it? Well, you can't smoke a cigarette and drink it at the same time. You'll self-combust. But <laughs> it's not the nicest drop. But yeah, it's sort of centred around that, and, and, and every single, there's six episodes that have been released, I think, or seven, but I found myself every episode, you, you, you experience every emotion, I mean, you laugh, you cry, and you laugh again, it's, it's an amazing piece of TV, in my opinion, one of his, one of his best so far, I think. Yeah, wow, alright, well, I'll yeah. definitely be taking I, I, that away from the chat today, I'll go and check that one out. Yeah, I remember just seeing all the tweets about it and, you know, everyone in the UK and everything that was watching it and they were talking about it and I just got tired and I remember actually talking to Bloke. We were talking back and forth and he said he had watched it and I was like, okay, I gotta watch this. And he's like, I'm just letting you know you're gonna cry. And I'm like, Shh, okay, alright, you know. And then, sure as shit, the last episode, he, he even warned me, he's like, Season finale, and sure as shit, I'm watching that, and all of a sudden, the, the tears are just coming down my face, and I'm, I, I was like, what, what is going on? Yeah, <laughs> I don't do this. Episode six. I've watched that, yeah, because, I mean, I just with the relationship that I had with my father, it was very same, similar kind of situation with me, so I've watched the episode four times, and all four times I've had tears running down my face. Yeah, on the same. I, I know I, it's cop Yeah, so just... With that alone, I mean, obviously, I had a ton of respect for Ricky before that, but just with the Derek series, uh, it's just I added a, a lot more to uh, respect for him that I didn't think I could achieve. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, the the, the drama aspect he puts into it's amazing. It it, re- it blew me away. I was quite surprised. But there's also some very very funny lines in there and funny scenes. Um, I won't give too much away, but yeah, two, two of my favourite is when Kev shits himself in the meeting, and the other one, Gamma. Do you remember that line when the? I think there's the. I don't know if she's a nun or something that's come up to the to the old person's home to, to sing hymns while they're playing at the organ and they pan down to Kev who's holding his can of tenant super and and Carl uh, and Dougie's sitting beside him and Kev all of a sudden, you know, he's got that filthy deviant look on his face, checking out this nun and takes a swig of tenant super. <laughs> he looks at Dougie and says, We'll see how fucking Christian she is with a few of these down her neck. <laughs> <laughs> I literally cried laughing and nearly fell off my chair. Oh, dear. But anyway, I won't give too much more away. And sorry, I've just uh, sworn on your podcast. Oh, no, look, it's It was fine. in quote, Mark. Yeah, you need to get on Stitcher for the Android users. Well, that's the next trick because I had a look at the application <laughs> form for that and it is worse than prison sex. It's <laughs> there's about 50 minutes. Take your word for that, Adam. <laughs> Sorry, what? Uh, okay. It's really quite an involved application form. It's like, you know, trying to apply for social benefits. You've really Again, got... I'll have to take your word on that one. <laughs> You've got to jump through a lot of hoops <laughs> just to put a bloody podcast up. Yeah. All right. And Mel, have you got anything else you'd like to contribute? Any plugs you'd like to give? No, not really. I mean, I, I haven't, just going back to the, the Derek thing, I haven't actually seen that show myself. Uh, there are a lot of really good things, but hearing that grown men are crying at this show, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it because I'll be honest, I cry during, you know, Hallmark 
commercials and things of that nature. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be good for me. You'll go on, man. You'll go on. You'll definitely uh, I might cry. be in trouble. Yeah, you'll be in trouble. All right, and Secular? No, mate, just thanks for having us on. Um, and I, I assume we'll all chat on Twitter. And if you're not following Adam Ricks or Mel in Canada, you've changed your Twitter handle now, haven't you, Mel? Yes, yes, Atheist Mel, isn't it? Yes, that's right. And at Gamma Atheist, get onto it. They're great. We talk plenty of nonsense. Sure. Yeah, I, look I, I do enjoy jumping out of the morning and seeing, and seeing what you guys are up to. It's, it's truly enlightening stuff. I think it's good fun. So thank you very much for participating today. It's uh, the checks in the mail. What I'd eventually like to do is, uh, I don't know if you've subscribed through iTunes. I know a couple of you have, a couple of you haven't, but the, the little image with the two cows... Yes. Uh, I'd like to get that printed up into a T-shirt. So at some point when I manage to turn this into something that I can monetize, I'd like to be able to, anybody who does come on the show, post them out a T-shirt. Well, you guys, you heard it here first in 2064 by the time the, uh, the Ayers Rock Olympics come around. <laughs> I should have T-shirts for everyone. I'll be able to fill out the back catalogue. You can just lay mine over the gravestone. <laughs> You can wear it to hell, guys. Wear it to hell. <laughs> Look, thank you very much for coming along. It's uh, certainly entertaining discussion. And follow these guys, Secular Bloke, Gamma Atheist and Atheist Mel. I'm at Adam Reeks. Have a wonderful life. Take care, guys. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it.